going through a, a series of text, really kind of going word by word and then just asking some questions about what it means to be devoted. We started this series at Pentecost, which is this epic day in the church calendar. It's this day where it's the giving of the Holy Spirit, which is a, a very loaded thing, which I'm not going to get into now. But all of a sudden, there was this new, new connection, relationship, openness, empowerment of these first people. And so this epic, divine, spiritual breakthrough moment happens. And then we are told in Acts 2.42 that they devoted themselves to. They devoted themselves. They moved from dabbling to devotion. They moved, maybe for some there was a devotion in the wrong direction, and so they devoted themselves to different things. But the way of Jesus is difficult to be passive. In fact, churches have worked really hard to allow you to be able to be passive, to simply come and consume and walk out the door, to pretend that um, having right thinking and right beliefs is like the core tenet of being a follower of Jesus. I will take someone with very little doctrine, but the love of God and the radical generosity in their heart over anybody who has all the right thinking and is not devoting themselves to the way of Jesus. That's not unique to me. That's Jesus. You'll, you, you'll know a false teacher, not by what they think and not by their teachings. You'll know it by their fruit, he says. You know, somebody who's not really lined up with the things of Jesus when they may talk a good game, but there's no fruit. There's no life. And so these first Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We talked about that the first week. To the apostles, they devoted themselves to knowing more about God. We're going to actually kind of tether ourselves to that a little bit. Uh, one writer says, the most important thought in the entire world that you can ever have is the thought you have about God. Like the most important thought you could have, which kind of makes sense, right? For those of you who maybe are new to the way of Jesus or, or you're, you're here and you, you have a lot of cynicism and critique in your heart, um, even, even if you're in that space, I imagine you could, you could understand this, right? Like the most, if, if God's real, if the ground of our being is, is holy and beautiful, if there is something beyond just vague spirituality but a named God shown in the person of Jesus, then, yeah, the most important thought you could ever have in the entire world is how you think about that. We know that when we look at, like, religious atrocities, we know that when we see things done in the name of Jesus, right? We know when people have really warped ideas and their politics all of a sudden line up behind something that if you've read the Bible, you're like, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure that's, that's in there. Loving your enemies seems to contrast a bit with what this particular subgroup in, in our political world is advocating for in the name of Jesus, I won't beg for amens, but I feel like, like some of us can agree with that, right? Amen is just you're in agreement. Like, that's happening in our world, right? A lot of that. The most important thought that you can have, most important thought is the thought that you have about God and what you think about God. So these first followers of Jesus devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, we talked about fellowship last week and to breaking of bread and to, and to what? 
prayer. So that's what we're going to talk about. Prayer. About once a year, I like to give a prayer talk. And I thought about doing like a little like best of today. And then uh, about two days ago, um, God just kind of racked my heart about something. And I, I felt like I just needed to change gears and keep it really simple. And so what we're going to do actually is just spend some time in a moment praying and soaking in some, in some truth and asking some questions about doubt and faith and life and the nature of God. And we're just going to, we're going to pray. But what I wanted to do actually was go to, if you have your Bibles, to Luke 15. This is the story that keeps on giving. If you've been to church, even if you've just like driven by a church, somehow you know this story. Right? You know, I've never been to church before, but yeah, prodigal son. It's in our literature. It's in our songs. It's even in our like celebrity TV shows. Yeah, that's right. I'm calling out those of you who know when it came up in that Kardashian episode. I only know it because someone told me I didn't watch it. Yeah, I don't get that. That's cool, though. It's good for you. Luke 15. There was a man who had two sons. Jesus is telling this story. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided up the property between them. This, as we all know, or many of us know, this was offensive. This is quite literally the equivalent of saying, Hey, Dad, I know you're going to die someday. Can you just give me that money you were going to give me when you died today? And then just kind of heap on a bunch of things uh, around like Jewish culture uh, and how this would have been perceived at this day and time and um, just know that this was unbelievably offensive. I'm done with you and I don't want to live in your house anymore. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was severe famine in the whole uh, in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. Like, I know I offended my dad, but even his servants are taken care of. So here's my plan. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off. That is one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. This is Jesus describing what God is like. And he goes, and then while he was still a long way off off. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and kissed him. He didn't sit back like this. I told you so. There's no, I told you so. There's no, I'm going to sit on the bench and wait. While he was still a long way off, gives you the impression that maybe he was even looking for him hoping that he would turn around and come home. I'm not going to coerce you, but come home. Some of you need to hear that this morning. Come home. Come home. 
Father said to his servants, or so the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against you in heaven and against you. It's almost like he's starting a script. He says, I no longer am worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring me the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Vegetarians in the room are like, why you got to bring a cow into this? For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother's come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. That calf reference is in there twice because it's a big deal. Not only is there no cynicism and no like passive aggressive, there's no like side eye going on here. There's no subtweet happening. He's just like all in your home, and that's all that matters. Older brother became angry and refused to go in. This is the son that stuck around. This is the son who does the chores. This is the son who, who, who's, who's got it together. This is the son who says all the right things. This is the son who goes to church every Sunday. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Good to know. Young goat, fattened calf. I want to know what's above fattened calf. Anyone? No? Eagle? Somebody say eagle? No. <laughs> eagle. Bring me the bald eagle. <laughs> so good. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This comes at the heels of Jesus telling a bunch of lost and found stories. While you are at a distance to the youngest, he goes... My second favorite verse, which is everything I've ever had is yours. It's going to be the strangest sermon ever. Just stop and consider those two things for a moment. Those two phrases. Just let's be still. Everything I've ever had is yours. What's the deal with the cynicism, the hate, the, 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 the failure to trust who I am? You've never even asked. You're standing back here at a distance following all the right rules, but you haven't asked. And you're wondering why you're the way you are. And then there's, while he was still a long way off. While he was still along with everything I've ever had is yours. Is that the image you have of God? Which one of those phrases do you need to resonate with? That you, that do you resonate with? I feel like I mean, there's seasons of my life where it's been one of the two. And seasons of my life where sometimes it's been, I need to hear, Andrew, everything I've ever had is yours. What was happening right now? God, I'm convinced often, I'm not convinced, I known this it, the times when I lay down and go to bed I've, I've been really honest about my problem of falling asleep to Michael Scott in my ears those of you who know the office 
I'm, I'm married, so I'm laying in bed with my wife, like, oh, good night, honey. Like, and then we kind of roll over. I don't know how many, any of you who are married, you like sleep in the cuddle form? I, I know very few couples who like keep it together all night. Anybody like that? I want to learn from you. Because I kind of want to do that, and I wa- or I want to want to do that, but then it comes time to actually like fall asleep, right? And you're like, I don't need that hot breath. <laughs> honey, you have amazing breath, but I just... <laughs> It's so hot. <laughs> and so I roll, I roll over, and then I put a headphone in, just one earbud, and I just hit this. It's already queued up, space bar. And whatever episode it's on of The Office just starts to... I've been honest about this. It's something I'm working on because it's kind of the way I distract myself because if I go to bed, all I do is my mind starts to race. All the things that have to happen. Sometimes it's good racing and sometimes it's bad. That's usually in the, 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 the times, this happened more recently as I haven't done this, is those moments where I have where I'm going to bed and it's like not that late so I don't just like conquer it out and I'm laying there and I close, like the last things I'm doing is talking to God and there have been so many moments recently where I, God has spoken to me through that verse. Andrew, everything I have is yours. It's almost like that's a little snarky, like what is the, why this? Why these, like, distracted loves? Why do you keep valuing that over me? Like, why? Maybe for you this morning, it's while he was still a long way off, he came up to you. You're filled with all sorts of strange guilt and shame. What we think about God is the most important thought that comes into our mind. Here's why I say all of that. I'm basically scrapping my notes at this point. To talk about prayer is because prayer, before it's asking for anything, prayer is about, um, it's not about coming up the road and it's not about being up on the hill. Prayer is about living in the house. Too often, right, this is, this is almost tired at this point to even say, but we come to God when things are rough. God's like, I am I'm not a genie. I, I will come back, if that, you know, seven times seven, like 77 says in the scripture, I'll continue to come back and to forgive and to run up the road. Like, I want to live with you. I want to be with you. I don't, I want you to abide in me. These are the messages we get, not just from this story, but the entire swath of scripture, one scholar argues, the entire story is about God wanting to be with his people. Tabernacling amongst us. This is Jesus then made flesh. It all leads up to Jesus, and we're told he's the fullness of God. So that's why we reject, as followers of Jesus, the idea that, that Christian spirituality is just some vague force that we attach some ethics onto that line up with this person of Jesus and we'll throw a little whoever else in there and make a nice little like spiritual pie. No, it's a person. We, it's actually not. God is mysterious in one sense and yet fully known in another. That's what the Christian scriptures are, are arrogant enough to say. We could put it like that to the cynics in the room. That the fullness of God, all of the spirituality and otherness and love and all of it actually is known in a person.
person. And what that person is like is someone who lays down their life for even you. The most important thought we can have is our thoughts about God. Prayer then is about living in the house, residing and abiding with him. My favorite messages or studies or readings are the most basic ones. The most basic, because what it does is confront me again with these two questions. What do I think about God? And what do I think about my, like myself? The amount of times I have had God uh, in, in the, the way that I most relate to God look me in the eye, for lack of a, a clear way to put it, essentially, and go, Andrew, who do you think you are? And what's on the other side of that is almost never, just because I've, I've been blessed at growing up in a family where there's so much grace, it's almost never like, oh, God, I'm sorry, like a parent, like, who do you think you are? acting like that. It's like, who do you, like, do you, do you forget that you are, are loved by the God of the universe? Do you forget that I want to be with you? Do you forget that whatever, like, menial job that you feel like you're a part of and that's, like, stuff is, like, kind of routine, that I've invited you on, like, the adventure of a lifetime to join me in putting the world back together? Like, like who, do you really think that you're that basic? Who do you think you are? This is the beginning of prayer. God's saying, who do you think I am? I think sometimes we, we think of God as like a, a poor, like lower middle class dad with a ton of kids. Right? Like really like means well, but doesn't really have time. Anyone resonate with that view of God? God means well, and God means well. Christians mean well. Church means, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, love and grace, that's cool. Those are good values. It's just my kid to Sunday school. Or, yeah, I'm interested in maybe exploring a little more about the way of Jesus. I don't know. Sexuary's Instagram looks really good. Like, nice coffee. seem nice people. I'm looking for somebody, like, trying to date somebody who's got some decent morals, right, and still has ripped jeans or something. I don't know. I don't know what it is for you and your journey, what your spiritual journey has been like. Or for those of you who have been walking with Jesus for a, a long time, I, I, I think too often our view is like, well, God's got a lot going on, and I'm not going to ask God for that. I used to get so angry at the people who'd be like, Andrew, Andrew, I'm starting to like, like learn how to pray. And I was driving the other day, and I was in such a rush, and I needed to get into the store, into Target, and I needed to get out. And so as I pulled in the parking lot, I prayed, God, would you, just, would you give me a parking spot? And then they're like, and one opened up. And then I walked into Target. Maybe you're like me, and, and we're talking full-on allergic reaction to statements like that. Like, there's genocide happening in the world. The racial reconciliation at an all-time low. Like, there is so much brokenness happening in our world. And you're praying for parking spots. And you think God answers that. Oh, my gosh, the vitriol in my heart. While I sit there and smile and go, cool. That's awesome. If, I, if you ever hear me say the phrase, love it, to you, <laughs> it generally means I don't and I want to leave. 
Um, just a little code for you. I just blew up my own spot. That's rough. Like, oh, I love it. Okay. <laughs> no, sometimes I mean it. I say all of that because there's something that's happened in my heart I would like to confess to you, which is that I'm, I now am more excited and inspired by those types of people than, than most. So even though I may still have a bit of a reaction against the, hmm, I'm not sure that was Jesus. What, what is now pinged for me, though, is this. You are submitting the daily details down to parking to the Lord Jesus Christ, our God. Like, you are willing in that moment to, like, ask, yeah, you know, I just didn't, like, I, I was, I, I just, I need to get in and out. Like, God, God would you, you know, could you, could you, could you just put out a parking spot real quick? These are the same people, like, yeah, I wasn't sure what to say when I got home to my kid, and I just was like, God, yeah, can you give me some words word to say? God, I'm not sure what to make. I had someone say this before. Could I ask God, like, about, like, what to make for food? I have some friends coming over, and I want to make something that really blessed them. I was like, can we, I just want to pray, but God, what should I make? I'm like, where are you? What planet are you on? Sorry, you're actually in the room right now. That was my first thought. I'm sorry. And, but I love it. Like, I'm here to confess that, like, I, I think that reveals a lack of, like, urgency and dependency on in me, right? There, there's something in there that, that begins to awaken something in our hearts. God is not just like, oh, he's good-natured, like that dad with all the kids. Like, he means well. He just doesn't have really time for any of the kids. Our God is rich. Our God is rich. I don't mean in a, like a, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz rich? I mean, our God is rich in love and rich in power. If that's what God is like, he runs up the road. God gives his blessing before we've done anything to deserve it. If this is what God is like, this will reflect how we pray. If God is boring, our prayer life is going to be boring. If God is just distant and we don't actually trust and have faith that he's here and amongst us, then we're not going to ever go to him. If we don't believe that God provides, we're not going to ever go to him. We're going to relegate prayer to like a meditation sequence where we're just like, it's just like one little mantra over and over. And it's really just meant to calm us down and deal with our anxiety. Not that that's bad, but that's the beginning of something. Definitely not the end. Thomas Merton says, the beginning of the fight against hatred, the basic answer to hatred, is not the commandment to love, but what must necessarily come before in order to make the commandment bearable and comprehensible. To be able to love isn't just white-knuckling, like, you got to love people, and if you're failing to love people, thank God that God loves you. He's not going to be as mad at you because you didn't love. Like, it's not, that's not where it begins. It's a prior commandment to believe. The root of Christian love, which is self-giving, sacrificial, enemy, radical, lay down your life love, is not the will to love, but the faith that one is loved. The faith that one is loved by God. There's a talk 
about prayer, that is you can go boldly before the throne and ask him for things. There's a talk about prayer, that, that song that we sang at the very beginning of the service that was written here in our church, in our time, in this place, God, do it again. Renew and remake this world. There's a, there, there's a, there's a time and a sermon and a, and a lesson and a reminder, but that is rooted in simply being able to be with God. One of the most revelatory moments in my life was being like weirdly pulled to go and pray. And I'm waiting and anxious and excited for like, okay, God, what are you going to tell me? What do I have to do? What do I have to do? What do I have to change? What, 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 how can I pray for somebody else? Like I was feeling this pull, like I should just go before God. I need to like spend some quiet time. And I'm waiting for my response and nothing came. It was nothingness. Like and I felt so pulled to pray and I got silence. Or so I thought until I repeated this story to a friend of mine who is far along in the ways of prayer. And she turned to me and she goes, Andrew, Andrew, I think God maybe just wanted to be with you. He didn't want anything from you. He wasn't looking for something from you. And he didn't have some like, like even deposit to make in your life. Some like vision or prophetic, whatever. I just want to be with you. This is where our brothers and sisters who maybe do yoga or meditation, like you're on to something in that regard. It's, it's, like, it's like be and rest and breathe and be still, but then don't empty yourself. Don't focus on yourself. It's then be still and know that the God of the universe loves you. This is why we have to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, why we have to devote ourselves as followers of Jesus to the scriptures. Because if we don't do that, we don't know the promises that God has given us. We don't know the things and the character and the quality of who God is and what he is like. Prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. I'm sure they were asking for things. I'm sure they were crying out to God that he would make things new again. But I'm quite certain if it was the apostles who had been with Jesus teaching these first Christians to pray, then first and foremost, they would have gone, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. They would have started, our just they would have started with Abba, Dad, Father, just be with him. Trust who he says that you are and trust that whether you are a long way off or whether you need to hear the promises that he has given to you. Trust that this is what God is like. And I don't know about you, but I deeply desire to not be constantly running up a road or chilling on the hill. I don't want self-righteousness, and frankly, I don't want to be reckless anymore with my life. If you're like me, you want to be in the house. I want to be in the house more. I want to be just living with the Father more. I like to think there's like a third character, like narrating this story. I know it's Jesus telling the story, but there's like a third brother. And he's like telling this story about dad, and he knows the inside scoop of the story. You know why? Because he's in the house. He's like, Dad, what's going on with, like, 
the young one. What's going on with the old one? Oh, man. Let's throw a party. Oh, let's pray to be and to rest together. So I want to invite the band up because we're just going to spend some time praying. This first song we're going to sing, part of it, is just, it's the chorus. Give me faith to trust what you say, that you are good and that your love is great. And then the line is, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That prayer that Sarah read earlier. We didn't plan that, by the way. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And then we're going we're gonna to sing about let this heart, let my heart not wander from your presence. May I always praise you. And my eyes see nothing. It's a prayer of like, I just, I, I, I don't even know what it is to pray. Maybe today you need to ask what the disciples asked which is like, teach me to pray. They didn't ask, Lord, how do we heal? How do we deliver? They, they, they asked, Lord, teach me to pray. And for you, maybe the mantra, the, the prayer this morning is, our Father in heaven, Dad, I know you are holy and other. Would your kingdom come and your will be done? Maybe right now it's just in your heart. I want to know the life of heaven. If you've truly come, show the life of the ages. Would you do that now? My eyes see nothing but you. And then, and then, and then <clears throat> we'll end with singing of God's great love for us. In the middle there, we'll invite you to come forward for communion. Actually, can we change something, communion people? There's a couple tables. Can we just put the communion out today? And just actually not serve it, just to lay it, just to put it out on the table. So as you feel led to come up, whether there's a line or not, if you this morning want to come and take of the bread and dip it in the cup, a reminder of Christ's body broken and his blood poured out for you, this amazing act of love and forgiveness that was shown to the world. Maybe for you, prayer needs to start with the tangible and the physical. You can't get lost in your head, but taking a piece of bread and dipping it in, in the cup be reminded of God's great love. That's something you need to do. It's early. And so let's take some time to pray. If you want to stand, if you want to sit, if you want to write, if you want to come to the altar and kneel and pray. From the Holy Ghost parking space prayer to the cynic and critic in the room my hope in giving a message like this, which I know is a bit of a peculiar message maybe for me to give like this, is to say, my, my prayer is that, that somehow and in some way you get a glimpse or maybe go deeper than you've ever had before of what it is to actually just abide, to spend time with him. Come to terms with all that's going on in your mind and to lay it down somehow. Maybe it's this simple. This doesn't need to be complicated. Anne Lamont says there's basically just two prayers. Thank you and help. So maybe this morning it's just got to help. Maybe it's just thank you. Give me faith to trust these things that just got said. 
weak, but your spirit is strong in me. My flesh may fail, but you never will. No matter what I'm feeling like, you don't change. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, would your spirit fall in this place? Would you teach us like you taught the first followers of Jesus to be devoted to being with you, devoted to prayer?